Welcome back to another episode of Life in Progress. I'm your host, Lindsay Field, and this week I'm joined by my good friend, Abina. Abina and I talk a little bit about what it means to have faith as an adult, how college can shift the way you see the world, and what it means to ask questions and pursue truth. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. All right, so, hey. Hello. I got Abina with me right now. So, Abina, uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for coming to not your apartment, my friend's apartment uh, in D.C. to talk with me. But Thanks for you, having me. Yeah, it's good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, can you just tell me a little bit about who you are and why you're here? <laughs> you know, simple wow, questions. That's a loaded question. <laughs> well, at a young age of age zero. No, I'm just kidding. Um, well, how do I simplify 25 years of life? Um, so, who am I? Um, my name is Abina Mwaku. Properly pronounced Abina. Um, I yeah, am... You never told I me that. I definitely told you that before. I tell... People say that all the time. I'm like, I've definitely told you that before. You just weren't listening. That's... A strong possibility. Yes. (laughs) Um, I was born in California, raised in Atlanta to immigrant parents. Um, Both both of my parents are from Ghana, um, and I am the oldest of three girls. Um, Lindsay and I met when I was in college at BU. I was my... I started... What did I start college? In 2012, graduated in 2016. Spent all four years in Sojourn. Yeah. Um, And it kind of was... Ended up there because I was trying to figure out how to do my faith outside of my comfort zone of growing up in the church and doing young life and that not really being a thing and leaving the South for the first time in my life and living up North and doing college and trying to discover who I was (laughs) outside of everything I knew because, yeah. Um, And so, yeah, like I mentioned before, I grew up in the church and it was kind of a thing where... We're going to church on Sunday, and that was what was expected and required of me. Um, I love going to church, not for church, but for my friends. Um, I grew up with the same people in church, you know, since I was like seven. They're some of my best friends today. One of my best friends is my pastor's daughter. That was religion. Started doing Young Life in high school. Um, I did that because it was a cool thing to do. Mm-hmm. And everybody was doing it. And I wanted to have a reason to go to camp on the weekends and say I did Young Life and get cool t-shirts and take cool pictures and do cool water activities and things that you couldn't really do in inner city Atlanta. And because it was faith-based, my parents were like, yeah, of course you can. Sure, please um, do that. And I didn't Thank really you. care about the mission or the message and what was happening. <laughs> Fast forward what I met you in 2012 all that yeah so fast forward seven years now I'm living in DC I just finished my master's program in public health studying global health and I'm now 25 and realizing that a lot of the things that happened I thought I figured out for myself but that was really the God's plan in the whole mm. whole way and he was just waiting for me for to discuss kind of like discover the pathways that he wanted me to take but that it was that way all along and um yeah I mean I could keep on going but I just I don't even know where to start (laughs) there's just so much well Uh, I'm not that interesting of a person but I just feel like you're making me really think about who I am and how I'm here and it's kind of overwhelming Uh, it's been a while since we've hung out so I kind of forgot yeah uh, yeah I'll just drop these questions on you and walk away yeah um 
All right, so let's start with just these ideas. So our mission is to help students discover God's dream for their lives. So I guess my question, my first question to you is, what does that mean to you mm-hmm. personally? Like, what does it mean for you to discover God's dream? Or what do you think that means? Say it again. Help. Helping people, mm-hmm. let's say, uh, discover God's dream for their life. Yeah. So what, what does it mean for you? What does God's dream for your life look like? Yeah, so I think, you know, you, like a lot of people are I, me, um, you know, you think, oh, well, you know, this would be really great if I can do this, or this is my goal, or this is how I want to do things, um, which sounds great, and it's and it, it's ideal to be goal-oriented, but I think those things don't come out of anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of those are how God is showing his favor or grace for you in a lot of ways, um, and, and putting that in your mind or, or, or trying to lead you or guide you towards that area. So I think, I don't know if I would ever really fully discover God's dream for my yeah. life. Um, I think I'm on the way in, in terms of being faithful um, and, and staying strong in my faith. A lot of times it's really hard. A lot, it, It's a lot of remembering to wake up early in the, or wake up and, and, and thank God and also, but also pray that he guides my steps through the day. Um, so I think, I mean, what I love about Sojourn, especially in the context of working with college kids is that God's dream is always going to be our mission or God's dream is always going to be much bigger than something you thought for yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think getting to know you and all the other staff, especially in college where it's like the world seems so big and daunting and overwhelming <laughs> and still does. Still does. Yeah, I know. I mean, it still does, but I think being in Sojourn and getting to live out life kind of with, with y'all helps you discover it's like, and interacting with so many people from different places as well. It's like, it helps you realize, oh, wow, this is what people mean when they say like, this is God's dream for your life or, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that's like, I'm not really answering the question and it's really roundabout, but I, I think that's like in the context of Sojourn, it's, you know, in, in college it was, okay, there's so much more out there than I, I realized. And that was for me, Boston was a new place for me. Yeah. Um, and I never had to do faith outside of my household. Um, and then you know, now being in post-grad for the second time, um, realizing, wow, I never, I never dreamed these things for myself. God's always dreaming bigger for me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So one of the things that we wanted to talk about today is just like kind of your process of discovery, Mm -hmm. um, and your faith and, and even just this idea that you just mentioned that God's dream is bigger Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. than what you Mm -hmm. could dream. And so you'd mentioned that you started with young life, really because it looked fun and cool. Um, what was it that kept you in young life? Gosh, that's like so loaded. It's going to make me want to cry, but like not really, but, <laughs> but like I think back cause right now I'm like not, I have, I've consciously decided not to do things with young life in my adult life and in like a voluntary capacity for a lot of reasons that that's a whole nother story in itself, but I'm very thankful for it. And you know, what kept me in it was the relationships that I was able to build. I never built relationships like that Mm. outside of like my family or like people I've known my whole life in on such a spiritual level. Right. And so 
people who were just, maybe I am going to cry, but people who like just said things and did things in ways that were unlike anything I'd ever experienced before. And it was, it was scary. Right. But it was like, this is scary. And I'm really freaked out by this, but like, I like this feeling that it's giving me. I keep on want. I want, like, I want more of it. Right. And eventually, you know, that song like set a fire to, uh, down in my soul that I can't contain that I can't control I want more of you God that feeling was scary but it, like I kept on wanting it so I was just like you know let me stay here then now okay now I'm no longer no longer a young life kid now they're asking me to work at camp and now they're asking me to tell my story on a stage in front of 300 kids and kids are coming up to me crying because they relate so much to my story and I just got up here and said it because somebody said wow you could be really inspirational I'm like oh, okay whatever <laughs> you know to, to, to discover that that was actually the case and then the same thing was happening for me and yeah yeah, so I think the peace that I was getting from it was very, very profound. I mean, like having a rough home life and then like having a peace in that setting was like, I never thought I could to get to that. And so that's what kept me going. And I felt very whole and understood and protected in that setting. Unlike I'd ever felt at that time, unlike I'd ever felt before. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then how was that transition for you then moving from this community that you had built Mm -hmm. in Atlanta, Mm -hmm. these people that know you Mm -hmm. intimately to Boston and kind of like starting that process. Yeah. So I knew, I mean, applying to colleges, I knew I was going to leave Atlanta because as much as I love my community and everything I knew, it was too comfortable and that started Mm -hmm. to become scary. It's like, okay, well, if I stay here, everybody stays here. Going to, you know, UGA, University of Georgia, or Georgia Tech is like going to high school, or Spelman even was like going to high school all over again, mm-hmm. and I was not going to do that again. But even just leaving, that was a big deal. It was like, and I wasn't just like leaving, I was going to Boston. What, there was not really, it was not comparable to yeah. Atlanta in any sense. I didn't know that. Also didn't know the cold I was signing up for. <laughs> um, but it became very obvious as soon as I got there, and that was so uncomfortable for me. Mm-hmm. And in retrospect, that like how uncomfortable I was, was what I needed to to have done all the other things I've done since, like since moving to Boston and going to college. Leaving that community, it was just like, well, I was like, you know, I'll figure it out. But then it's like, as soon as I got there, I was like desperate for community again. Things I never thought about. I was like, you know what? I don't even know what Christianity looks like outside the outside of the South. Uh, I mean, yes, my parents are immigrants and I've gone to Ghana and I know what Christianity looks like in those in those two settings that I was very comfortable with, you know, being in a Ghanaian household and then being in like the Bible Belt. But anything out of that, I never even... <laughs> I can't even imagine yeah. how those two to go together. They go together way too well. So it's like, <laughs> it's kind of, it's overwhelming. Um, you know, just very evangelical celebration type church. And it's like, I've seen the heights of the church, you know, so, and the lows. Um, but so I was like, wow, I never actually really thought what church or faith or community would look like outside of Boston. And I was like, am I even going to still be following the Lord? You know, it's college. I'm going to be like, I can party. But that's not like who I am, you know? I'm even going to make friends. Like, can I even tell people I'm a Christian? Will they judge me? Like, why will everybody's yeah. a Christian, you know? Does yeah. it mean, it means something different for everyone, but everybody is like, has a church, goes to church on Sundays, you know? And so it's like, people are Catholic. I really know that I don't like like going to Catholic church because it's too strict. And so I remember my first friend that I met, and she's one of my best friends to this day, like just went to her wedding last year. It was, she was also like, I don't know how we got in the conversation, but we got in the conversation of faith. And I was like, oh my God, she's a Christian. Maybe there are people <laughs> here that are like that, right? And, and then, you know, I met another girl in Faisab who also was a Christian. I was like, 
okay, I can do it. It's, you know, and so I, I remember going to different, what's a week where you like go to different, um, oh, like the welcome week, welcome week, yeah. and you find out about the different organizations on campus yeah. or whatever. And there were, there were just so many different like faith-based groups. So I was like, okay, so this is great. Re- having a religion is not a problem at school, but, I, and then there were like so many Christian ones and, you know, there were like, there were so specific, there were both, there were a lot of them about race. Yeah. And it was kind of weird. I grew up in Atlanta and everybody's black. And I was like, so do I join the black one? And, and, and I was like, well, no, like it's, I'm not going to join it just because it's like black people. And then there's like, well, there's Asian ones. And there's ones that's like kind of a little bit more diverse with, and then there's ones that are just like white. And I was like, I'm just going to go with the one where I feel understood. And I don't feel like they're just trying to recruit me to be in the group. And I don't even remember how I found out. I think I've gone to a couple other groups before I even ended up going to Sojourns. And I remember it was just like, everyone was super goofy and chill. And in a way it reminded me of Young Life, but it was also like, different in the sense it was like everybody was from the northeast and not from the bible belt i think everybody's like from the midwest <laughs> yes. and i was like this is kind of weird but i kind of like it and i met steve mm-hmm. throwback um <laughs> and i was like you know what i like these people and they kind of understand me and they also just don't take themselves too seriously mm-hmm. and i was like this is so different from the community that i had at home but i like it and i th- i think good things will come of it um and so i think i just going into it with, I think I had a lot of expectations at first, but then I kind of, and I'm just an anxious person, but at a certain point just kind of started to relax and didn't have any expectations. And that ended up being so much better. Um, I mean, eventually I also discovered there was Young Life in Boston. That also looks so different in the Northeast. And that was a huge struggle for me because I had this perception of Young Life and, and wanted to be the same way. And it was very obvious it wasn't going to be the same way. So I think I used Sojourn for like how my spirit would, was fed and then with young life and being a volunteer leader I was a lot of giving mm-hmm. um and so yeah. I maintained both of those because it's like I can't imagine not being associated with young life but I was like my spirit needs to be fed and that's how I discovered the church and everything in Boston so yeah I just yeah, yeah. so in that in that time whether it be the transition or or sojourn or young life what were some of the big questions that you processed in college, whether it be about life or faith. Like yeah. Were some of those things? Well, I think the biggest is for a lot of people and a lot of us was how, do, what, what is faith? Because like, mm-hmm. like, I think when you grow up in the church and I grew up in like a church where I realized it was kind of scarring and in retrospect, I realized it was kind of scarring. And I talk about this a lot with the people I grew up in the church with. We had a youth pastor that was kind of, was memorize these Bible verses or you're not going to, it was a lot about like going to heaven. And, mm-hmm. and I've been so far removed from that. But yes, I want to be with my Lord and Savior at the end of my life, but also just, I'm not going live out my life to go to heaven right yeah if, if life is about getting to heaven or staying out of hell yeah it, it, yeah, it, it feels switch. like it's, it's, it's yeah. one of those two questions of do this to get into heaven or don't do this to stay out of hell yeah. but then like what's the point of life who are you as a person yeah. and who are you as a person who what do you actually believe how are you living out your the, the right. living out let your life part is not answered right. um and i think that's what sojourn changed my perspective on right because it's like i grew up in the church and then it was like okay now it's to be in this cool Christian club, you know, but we were not the cool yeah, Christian club. Like, but, we but, were the but, misfit. No, but no, Young Life was a cool Christian club. Oh, and then okay, to, okay. To, to, to then to end up in Sojourn, where just like <laughs> people actually questioning a lot of people. Where I, I realized that I was kind of like a spiritually ahead of a lot of the people who were joining, which was weird. I didn't realize I was, you know, and I think the lots of that big question of like, what is faith? But also it's like, how do I live out my faith? That was like the, the hardest thing. I know how to be a Christian. I know like I pray and you know, you 
go to church and you read the Bible and you you don't do dra- drugs and you don't drink alcohol and you're not having sex and all these things. But it's like these things are important. But if you don't know the why and I'm a big, big why person, it's like if you don't know the why, then it's really hard to live out your life and mm-hmm. do it in a way that's satisfying to yourself. Right. Yeah. And that that you can, when people ask you why, you can also explain. Because I, I ran into that a lot, right? I ran into a lot of people being like, well, why don't you drink? And why aren't you going out? And why are you not partying? And I was like, you know what? I don't know, but I know I, I need to discover that for myself. I, I appreciate yeah. you asking me the why because now I need to discover for myself. So I think those were like a lot of the big questions mm-hmm. that I mean, I'm still answering, you yeah. know? Um, so what is your process in figuring out some of those questions? Whether it's something that you, for example, drink, to drink or not to drink, mm-hmm. right? Like, so how did you work through that why or how are you working through that yeah why? so I mean I mean I drink now but I wasn't drinking like as, a, as an under 21 year old I think a lot of it was also just I don't know any of you mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't trust any of you I see like I've seen what it does to people who mm-hmm. do it uninhibited and without purpose um and for me it's like it was a discipline and it was a discipline that was doing this is like it's okay I can go to a party and not drink and I don't feel comfortable right I can be who I am and also it was I was also a young life leader at the time right so I was hanging out with high school girls who were asking me all aspects of my life and it was like part of your contract but in a, in a deeper meeting I, was, I don't want them to ask me or like about any of these things that I can't be like oh I got hammered last honest, night yeah. and honestly answer and I I was like I have I get more joy about being my best self and like being an honest person with these girls and I out of going to that party last night and having a story to tell tomorrow, right? And I still got along so great with the girls on my floor who did it and everything. I don't think it took away from who I am as a person. Yeah. After some point, people started asking me why, and then it didn't. Be, it wasn't a topic of conversation anymore, right. and I was uncomfortable at first. But I was like, you know what? I'm gonna stick to who I am. And well, it was the same for me in college. I didn't have my first drink until I turned 21, mm-hmm. and as a you know younger college student, it seems like everyone's asking yeah. you or trying to. Partially get you to drink yeah. or whatever. But as you do get older in college, people don't care. Yeah, they don't. I, you know, we would go out, we would party, we'd do all these things, and nobody cared that I wasn't drinking. Yeah. Also, because then they realized that I was Sober the one friends. looking out yep. for yep. everyone. Exactly. And like getting everyone in their cabs, yeah. making sure they got home yep. and all these things. And, and they came to appreciate that. And, and I never made anybody feel bad about it either. Right, yeah. yeah. And it's this really interesting thing where there's no judgment on either side. Yeah. I'm not judging them for what they're yeah. doing, but they're not judging me for what I'm not. And we're doing. all having fun stuff. So we're all having yeah. fun. Yeah. And, and so for me, and it sounds like for you, it started to become a, what story do I want to tell yeah. with my life? Yeah. And like you said, I'll have a drink, I'll have fun or whatever, but it's still the amount I drink or how many I have or whatever yeah. is still about what story do I want yeah. to tell? That story might be different for each person, yeah. but yeah, I do think it comes down to what story am I? Yeah. And I just didn't want, I just didn't want to like, do I have to, I don't know. I was just like, I'm me. I'm a female. And I think that's also like the tough speak to who I am. I can't do what I want. Right. And I'm also, but like, I'm also like the loudest person in the room still very much opinion opinionated. Um, and so it's just like, nobody can tell me anything. You know, it's like, you can't tell me what I'm going to do or how I'm going to do it. That that's also downfall to, to who I am. But like, I, I recognize that about myself. And so I think once I got comfortable in college, I was like, yeah, like, so I, I didn't have to, I didn't have to, I didn't have to leave it out like a movie, like freaking Saved by the Bell. I don't know. <laughs> um, so how do you reconcile those two things then? Um, because growing up in a church where it is about getting to heaven and staying out of hell is a lot of the do or do not list. Yeah. So how do you, rec- how do 
did you or how do you reconcile that with this nobody's going to tell me what to do personality trait like how, how do you find that medium so I think to add a dimension a lot of people you get like I'm observant but I'm like super observant to the yeah. to the point where it, like I uh what's the word becomes like it internalize internalize a lot of, yeah I internalize a lot of things so I'm trying to go with your hands yeah it was, here, that was exactly know? the word that it was, was like either yeah. like drink it down my throat yeah, or, or internalize, internalize. it's like <laughs> I yeah I internalize a lot of things so I think of being overly observant can sometimes be just like shitty because I just when you internalize everything it, it affects how you do things and so I think in some ways it's, inhib- it's inhibited me but that's fine so I think I grew up in a church where all these rules where there are all these rules but like I was like F that I was like I'm just here to be here because I, I don't want to be in the main sanctuary and all my friends are here I'm not doing any of these activities I'm not doing I'm not going the extra mile for God which was what the way it was wrapped up um, but I was like I'm not going the extra mile but I think all the people I grew up with they did the direct opposite of what it did, right? And no, they're not bad people. Like they, like they didn't go to college. They got pregnant in high school. You know, they started having sex at a really young age. They started rebelling against their parents. All this stuff. And I love these people to death, but I realized that that's not what you want. Yeah, and that stuff started damaged them a lot, or started to damage them more a lot, or started to influence them more because they were just like you know whatever like and they a lot of them did it under wraps right like under because the, if it came out in the church it would yeah. be horrible oh yeah scandal. and so yeah scandal and I was like observing this as it was happening I was like well that's not gonna be me that's not what I'm gonna do so I'm just gonna and it, at that time it wasn't about God for me it was just I'm just not trying to be that person so yeah I'm just gonna now I recognize that it was the Lord being that's not the way I want you to learn about me so mm-hmm. I'm this is yeah. how I'm gonna teach you separate from that mm-hmm. because this is the way you learn this is how you are taking all the things in um so i think in that regards i think it's a, a strength that the lord's given me in order to uh you know for him to speak that's the it's a way he can like speak to me and and being that i'm also just a huge visual learner so it's just like it, they, they go together really well i think they do yeah you get to they complement each other yeah learn from the people yeah, around you yeah yes yeah, so, so i think in some ways i'm similar like Sometimes I get to watch somebody go through something good or bad. Mm. And it's almost like I learned from their experience. Yeah. Because you're so observant and you internalize it. And it's almost like it happened to yeah. you. Yeah. Um, so what are some of those questions that you're still working through? How to do <laughs> faith in adult life? I don't know. I think I think also we all get through seasons. And I've been very much in a season of like, I love the Lord. But the community, not the community, it's like, but I don't, I'm having a hard time experiencing his presence in a lot of ways. And so I think this always happens when I'm really stressed, where I try to do a lot of things independently. And then I'm like, this is not going to work out. This is not going to work out. This is not going to work out. And the Lord's like sprinkling some favor and grace on me. And I'm like, damn, Lord, I've been abandoning you. In the, no, like in the past couple of days. Right. And it, I don't think me going to church doesn't make me a better Christian or mm-hmm. um, me reading my Bible doesn't make me like a good Christian like it'll make me a better one yes but like I don't it doesn't it doesn't yeah it's not makes me a good Christian right because like you can do all that and still not live your life out for the Lord so even recently I've been like you know I've been going to this church and I don't feel very comfortable it's a great church but I just don't feel very comfortable there and so it's like okay well I've consciously decided in the last couple of months I'm like I'm not going to this church anymore but how am I experiencing the Lord right and so before we started this is talking about like even just like interacting with the homeless and like how I showing my kindness and love to people. I've been also struggling because being in grad school, you're just overwhelmed yeah. with life and you get really down on yourself. Down on yourself. Couple that with going through school and then winter depression, right? And so and these are real things that the older you get, the more, the more you realize that everybody experienced stuff like this. But it's like, well, 
I have not been communicating really well with my friends and family because it's like I'm so in my head about things and I'm really anxious about things and I'm really bad at asking for help um, and really am bad at admitting that's on me and I'm not I haven't been doing as well as I should be and so I the Lord has shown his grace and favor in me being really in my head of like why aren't things going the way I want them to or like why can't I do better in these relationships whether they're like friendships or uh, like love relationships he's really shown himself in like the way that my friends and family have reached out to me in ways that like have really touched me because it's it's really the Lord being like you need these people who understand you and people are thinking about you and know that you're struggling and you should be asking for help more and communicating with your pe- people more even if it's not to talk about school but just to be like hey I'm struggling or hey I just need somebody to talk to um so I think that's an answer your question and kind of not I think how I don't know living doing faith in adult life is hard because yeah. a lot of adulting is hard and really overrated and yeah it's not what they tell you no it's not and after a certain point you stop relying on the Lord because it's easier to it's not even easy to rely on yourself. It's actually much harder, but it's easier to like to pretend like you're relying on yourself to blame yourself. Well, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like for me, it's easier if I know I'm in control because if I fail, yeah, that's then I get to, to I get to take that blame. Yes, I get, it's a better way to put it. And yeah, I, I don't know. There's something easier about blaming yourself for something mm-hmm. going wrong than recognizing that you never had control. Yeah, in the situation yes, to begin with. That's that's what I was trying to say. That's literally like you just, yeah. I, the words that I couldn't form, you took them out of my mouth. You're I welcome. think that's, thank you. I think because to trust in the Lord is to be vulnerable and being vulnerable is really freaking scary. And it sucks. Yeah. And being close with the Lord is scary, right? Like yeah. what Donald, uh, scary close, the Donald Miller yeah. book. Yeah. Right. And that's like, that's a lot of what it talks about. Cause it's like, he knows the ins and outs of my life even before I do. Yeah. And so that is scary, especially when you, are so much more aware of yourself and it allows you to be vulnerable and let him take over. It's like, nah, I'm just going to do it by myself. And he's like, all right, okay, cool. That's not going to go the way you think it is. And that's how you learn your lesson. Uh, so here's a question you're going to love. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the areas in your life that you are struggling to be vulnerable right now? Oh my God. <laughs> that's, a that's a question you know I'm going to hate. I feel like, um, yeah. Being vulnerable with people is very hard. It's not, I mean, you know me, like I'm not, it takes a, it, I am such a good like, listener. And I like, I, I feel like I, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I ask the really good <laughs> questions and like get to so know you people you're, you're correct. and intentional and getting to know people. But when it comes to, when I notice or feel that people are trying to be intentional with me and get to know me, I like clam up, like I close up. I'm like, no, 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 let's pretend. Or I like talk about something that doesn't matter. That's so far off from who I am because it's like, I don't want you. I'm really good at like sharing things that sound like they're important and deep, but don't actually matter to me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like this, this false sense of closeness and vulnerability. And then when I think when people discover it, it's like kind of too late, but now, and and then it allows everything to be on my own terms. Right. Mm -hmm. Because then I can control the conversation and I can control the relationship. And again, that's because I've internalized so much and I've, and I've seen so much, hurt in my family and my friendships that I just like no 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 guard your heart like I feel like a lot of like <laughs> Christian girls say that you know guard your heart but it's like no mine's like mine's guarded, locked, up, locked right? up and tied with and like throwing away the key you know and you can't you can't you can't get to it you can't even see it so that is like I know that about myself and it's like okay I need to change things and you change but scary to let anyone else in but and it's like I have all these super close friends I've known forever who know my heart so well so it's like I don't need anyone else. I don't need a, what's the point? You know, like why 
should I, you know? But I think it adds a layer to, to what we were just talking about before. The more I guard my heart, the less vulnerable I am to the Lord, the, the less vulnerable I am to things that can happen that will, I will come out on the other side stronger, right? And yeah. so, and it's weird because I'm vulnerable in that sense, but not in like big picture. Like I go travel and do all this stuff that people are like, what, what are you doing? And I think that's how I make up for yeah. Um, all these other, that's, yeah, all these other vulnerabilities that I refuse to accept. And then I think also... I'm always just such an anxious person. So I refuse to believe like good things are coming to me, even though it's just like everything that's happened in my life so far is Abina. That's like freaking amazing. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm always like, oh no, it's not a big deal. And it's, I think people, it, it can be annoying to people because it's like, I'm trying to be humble, but to a point that it's annoying. I know, I really just, I'm always just ready for the other shoe to drop. And that it's, I, I, I can't bask in the glory of things while well, I'm like afraid like when something bad's gonna happen like it has to because this, things are going too well and that that makes me nervous yeah. and that uh, yeah so those are you're like getting nervous just thinking about yeah. it it makes me anxious yeah well and you had mentioned earlier that it's hard for you to ask people for help yeah. and stuff and it, to me it sounds like those play hand in hand yeah asking people people for help is opening yourself up yeah and being vulnerable and being like I can't do this on yeah. my own so how do you like you you've talked about just recognizing God's blessings and stuff, but how do you get to that? How do you go from closing yourself off, not asking for help, and then getting to that place of like, no, this is good. Let me do this. I think, I think every day is different or every, it's like an everyday thing. It's not like a, I'm there now. I'm, I'm still not completely there. I think just really just being, I think it's like going to bed, praying and it's like, okay, I don't, I don't want to be as anxious as I, as I am. You know, I don't want to be stressed about this and waking up and thinking the same thing and like constantly talking mm-hmm. to the Lord, to God in my head is like, okay, because there are days where I'm there and there's days where I'm not, right? You have to be practical. Me thinking and being anxious or me trying to calculate this is what is that going to do for me? What is it actually, when has that actually ever worked out? Yeah. But also just allowing myself to enjoy the blessings that I've gotten and then doing again day by day, just like, hey, this is where I'm at right now. And so where are we going to be with where I'm at right now? And then also just, it's hard because it's like, it's literally just an everyday Mm -hmm. battle. Yeah. Um, and I think battle is like too harsh of a word, but it's like journey, I guess. Mm. Everyday journey. I never know what the next day is going to look like. I never know. But I also just like enjoying the moment, like going to grad school. And like I studied business in undergrad. So deciding to go from business to public health was like a big deal for yeah. me. And I remember even being called to be like, I never went to grad school. Obviously that didn't happen. <laughs> um, I hate school. I still hate school. But like going to grad school is just like, you know, this is really great because I'm fine. I'm like discovering more about my passions, about who I am and taking every moment as like a teaching moment. And some people might be like, that's not God. That's just, that was like, you know, that just happened. And no, like, like I have to find the blessing within it, within it, because then I don't think my faith would be as strong if I didn't, you know? Um, I don't know if that answers the question. Sure. Cool. Uh, I don't really remember the question either. Yeah. So you're making these off on the fly. <laughs> yeah. So looking back on your journey up to this point, mm-hmm. like what have been some of those we've talked about a few of them, but like, what have been some of those key moments for you that have really helped you redefine and own your faith? Yeah. Mm. So um, there was, there was young life, which kind of, I guess, started that bowl rolling. Mm-hmm. Did I say that right? Ball rolling. I think you said bowl rolling. I think I said bowl I rolling. Really, I know what you meant. Um, I, 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 I see where you are like bowling and the ball's rolling and bowling. So maybe that's what you're thinking. Yeah, uh, you know, sure. That's totally what I was thinking. Um, I was going to say that it's early, forgive me, but it's noon. No, so it's not. it's not. 
No. It's not early. <laughs> it's not at all. Well, I think I think it's like major life experiences, like traumas, whatever you want to call it, or you know, things were like excuse my friends where shit got real like life got real um and so for for going into young life was just like a very rocky because like rocky home life right and right. things were unstable and uncertain so again that's where I was finding my peace that was the only place I was finding certainty that was the only place where I felt heard and understood where people wanted to know me and where I could almost be like a different not a different person but be more of myself um and so I think rocky home life was was getting into young life so like moving to Boston and realizing wow this is so much more than I signed up for because this is a completely different setting this is this is it was it was a reverse we haven't talked about this yet but it was on this but like you know this like it was reverse culture shock for me yeah in the sense i was just i had never been around so many white people in my life it was just like new england northeast white people so that was just a different culture and new england even coming from uh, a place where it's like all white people Mm -hmm. where i grew up and coming to new england where it's like all mm-hmm. white people. It, New England is still so different yeah. than other places yeah. in the country. And so then you add that racial aspect yeah. onto it. And I can just imagine yeah. that it's like 10 times. And more. like, I mean, for the people who can't see me, I'm black, obviously. Um, what? And so, <laughs> yeah. No, um, and so being raised in a Ghanaian household where, you know, my parents are, are black, but that's not, that identity, the way it works in, in America doesn't work it's not the same way they discover themselves. They know themselves, right? They yeah. moved here when they were like in their late teens and then like 1920s, right? Or when they're not in the 1920s, when they were like 19. <laughs> when they were 19 yeah, or yeah. 20. And when they were younger. And you so have very old. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so for them, their blackness, I promise this, this, this is relevant. For them, their blackness meant something else in Ghana, like, when they came okay. here. So, yeah, so, grow, I think I was, I always say I'm really lucky to grow up in Atlanta, where it's a super black city, and so it's just, like, it never felt weird. Like, right. it felt really normal. So, to grow up, to come to Boston, where it was just, like, the direct opposite, where all these people went to inner city schools, but they were super good inner city schools, and they were already academic, I was, like, not academically prepared for BU. That was part yeah. of the problem. And so, couple that with being overly culturally prepared where I grew up with it wasn't really diverse it was, it was pretty black and white but in, in sense everyone got along not, right. you know and so it was just to meet and interact with people like oh we never had black people where I grew up I only had one black friend growing up or like you're my first black friend and like seeing all these stereotypes and stuff and it was just like whoa because yeah. southern racism and northern racism are really Very different, different things, and yeah. we could have another whole conversation on that so th- I think that was a trauma or major life change that was like all this is different so I need to find something that's similar or or that's you know constant the same and so that was faith for me that was that was christianity that was going to church and discovering a church or a small group or something that resembled what i knew because of this it was too much it was it was way too much and so yeah i think that was what got the ball rolling and discovering a church and discovering sojourn and i might have discovered uh I'm blanking on church name. Reunion. Reunion before I discovered Sojourn. Potentially. But I think I I started visiting Reunion and then realized that Sojourn was like kind of part of it. And I was just like, okay, so this, like, I love the church. And so these people are similar. And even, I mean, it was eye-opening for me because it was even like, yes, this is church. This is faith. But like, it's still very different. But at the end of the day, it's like believing in God and, you know, living yeah. out like your life for the Lord. That was what made sense. Um, and so it was the only place that I felt like comfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm still a little bit uncomfortable, most comfortable because I could not deal with all the things. And <laughs> yeah. it's like not even just moving to New England, moving to Boston. Life comes at you fast in Boston. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, it does. So yeah, what were what were some of those things for you? Like you talked about growing up Ghanaian, but also in Atlanta mm-hmm. and how those two church cultures mm-hmm. like meshed pretty well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then switching that to a New England yeah. church experience, which is very, very different. Yeah. Uh, so what were, what were some of those... Either what were some of the good things about that switch for you? Yeah. What were some of the really hard things about that switch for you? So I think growing up, so I went to a Ghanaian, like a Ghanaian church growing up. Um, and so I think in a lot of ways I felt that community was forced. I'm, I'm appreciative of it now. I still love mm-hmm. that church family. I, as an adult, I appreciate them more than I did as a kid. Um, but I felt it was very forced. You know, we went to these churches. These were my mom's friends. So her friends, her kids were my friends, mm-hmm. whatever. Or her friends, kids were my friends, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you get the bowl yeah, rolling. Get, yeah, so get the bowl whatever. rolling. Um, so I think I was very forced and very root, like r- routine. And it just, mm. that was the way life was. Um, but I kind of, and then I think Young Life was a segue into that, a segue into like more contemporary church. Okay. So, because I think I'd never done that before. So doing things where it's, just, you're still doing like praise and worship and you're still doing prayer, but it's in a very much more like chill and lax way that I'd never experienced before. But it was fun. It's still, it, 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 it matched like culture, like being a kid with learning about God, which I'd never felt my church really tried to do. They just tried to force whatever model they wanted on us. Um, real, I think having Young Life as that segue where it's just like, okay, so I can do this. I can do this in my like adult life where it's like a little bit more contemporary and discovering sojourn and the ability to do that um and so the idea of getting to choose my own community was also really cool I never really got to do that right and so choosing my own community and having a picture of like this is gonna be like really corny but like kind of like what heaven will look like in in the sense of this is a diversity that I need and not just like racial diversity diversity but cultural diversity and diversity in every vein of the word that you can think of it yeah um and getting to choose that community and saying like no i love sojourn or i love coming to reunion these are the people that like i want to be around um was very different for me like i never i never got to choose it for myself you know never i mean now that i've done it more so in my adult life but like church hopping and all that stuff was yeah. was odd you feel like you're it's like is this okay for me to be like this i don't like this church can you not like a church like is that yeah. you know is that is that is that christian like um or to be like these people are not nice and it's like if they're not nice or if i don't feel welcomed by them or is this really like you know things like that it was just very mm-hmm. weird it was weird um but realizing that it's okay you can only fit in where you where you're wanted and where you want to be yeah um and so that's where I felt wanted and, and where I wanted to be. And I purposely chose that community. And I didn't feel forced to stay there, or to, yeah. you know. So um, how do you then, with the stuff that you have worked through or you're currently working through, and so whether that's life is not about getting to heaven or having a drink is okay or whatever it might be, how do you, I don't know if reconcile is the right word, but how do you reconcile that with your experience growing up? Do you just abandon what you were what you grew up with or how do you make the two work if you've moved kind of past that yeah I think I take lessons from it I mean I don't I think that also that teaching as I've gotten older and have a really good relationship with my pastor's daughter and you know I know that family really well I recognize that that wasn't the message of the church itself that was just a kind of not great youth leader that we had who was putting his own agenda and it was kind of damaging to a lot of us um but that that's it's okay I'm okay I I wouldn't I don't regret going through that experience because it's like okay now I understand more what church is supposed to be like and Mm -hmm. what 
you know, a church home or community is supposed to be like. And it's not that. It's not you're going to hell if you do these things. Yeah. Like you're a bad person if you're doing these things. And so that's that I try to make that the essence of like my being is me not going to church on Sundays is not making me a bad person. How I live my life out in the everyday means more to God or means more to my faith than that those things. Um, and I think I'm, again, still discovering that, but I think I don't completely abandon it. I'm not completely ignoring what I've learned as a kid. I think I take lessons from it. And I, you know, like still have a mom who's very like old school traditional in that sense, Sunday Bible verses every morning or, you know, it's like, I'm praying for your day. And then things like that used to, used to annoy me as a kid, but I appreciate it so much more because I understand the, the place it comes from. Right. Yeah. I, understand, I understand the intentionality a lot of the times when people are like, I'm praying for you or have you prayed about it? And I don't think those are the only, yes, I pray about things, but like those are the only things that are needed. Like I'm right. practical ways that I can also solve my problems yes, in the I world. Yes, I prayed, but then I also paid the bill. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or it's like, for a lot of people, yes, I've prayed about it, but I also still need to see my therapist. And then right. I, I think yeah, the Lord has put a lot of things in this world for us to utilize mm-hmm. because he knows that's not enough for us, right? It's not, yes, we should we should lean on him, but like there are also other ways that we can make sure we're our best selves. So for you, it was really almost getting to the heart of the person. Yeah. So understanding the comments at face value might be um, harsh or judgmental or damaging or... The why. Understand yeah. Be, yeah, but the, the heart and the why yeah. why they're saying these yeah. things. So when somebody asks you, did you pray about your mental health issues? It's like, maybe they just don't understand yeah. Yeah. what this is. And so you can take that less as a something to incite anger yeah. or pain and just say like, yes, I did. Yes. And yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. And. Yeah. yes. Yes. And I called a therapist. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's cool. I guess I think, I think that's really interesting because I don't think that's where we always sit no. is, um, especially if you've been through a situation where words like that have done harm, more harm than more good. Harm. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, those words do more harm than good. And so being able to look at the heart of the person and sometimes the heart of that person is not Mm -hmm. in a good place. And so then you can get angry and frustrated. I mean, I I mean, on the other side of that, what does that mean for me? Yeah. You've, when I have friends that are struggling and stuff, it's like my immediate response is now I'm praying for you, but I'm thinking that. And I know that's part, I'm going to give you good advice and try to help you talk you through and not Mm -hmm. make you feel like you're crazy or ridiculous or whatever. If you're being crazy or ridiculous, I'm going to tell you because that's just the type of person I am. But I'm also, but like, I'm also internally and I consciously knowing that like, okay, well, this is something I need to pray about for someone. And this is, that's just, I, I always lean, go back to things like that because it's like, I can't not. And when you yeah. grow up in a household where that's like a huge part of it, I don't think they're bad things, but I don't think that they're, they, they're the only right. answers. They're not the end all be all. They're not the end all be all. And people from church would probably say, oh, that's not true. That's not correct. But it's like, at the end of the day, no, I can always lead on the Lord. Why is it bad for me to try these other things yeah. in addition to that? If I know I can always lean on the Lord. I mean, right. What, what's the point of them being available as well? Right. So. Yeah. No, that's awesome. All right. So, uh, one last question mm-hmm. for you. This is taking a slight turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully it's a little easier okay. question for you. One of our values in Sojourn is just this idea that having fun is a spiritual act yeah. that life was meant to be enjoyed and having fun is a way to worship mm-hmm. God. So what is something that you do mm-hmm. for fun? Well, I like to travel. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think when you get to like travel and see other parts of the world, it's really great. Cause you're like, 
wow, God made all of this with intention, purpose. And for me, it's like the best way to kind of experience life because you kind of get out of your bubble, you get out of your norm, not about just like traveling, but like interacting with other cultures yeah. and well, ways so, of doing things yeah, in so life. Yeah, the different ways yeah. that people interact. Yes. And- or even if you go into another place and that's like the way they do their faith and their religion yeah. is like really awesome. Like I was recently in Singapore and they have an uh, area that's a street. It's called Arab Street. And it's some of like, and I know they're gorgeous mosque all over the world. Half of my family is Muslim, but it was the most gorgeous mosque I've ever seen. Like it took my breath away. And it's yeah. just, you know, it, it made me think a lot about, wow, like, you know, like Islam is such a beautiful religion, but the way it's weaponized and the way people... People use it to say that it's like a horrible thing. It was just, that's a damn shame because these people are some of the nicest people I've ever met. How are they really horrible people? They take time and intention to build this beautiful mosque. I mean, that's just one example. Seeing stuff like that is just like... Well, yeah, that reminds me when I was visiting some ministry uh, partners in Scotland Mm -hmm. a few years ago. And um, they actually had their small group meets on a Tuesday night and they meet at a... A restaurant where they have like curry and all mm-hmm. that stuff and it's in a mosque mm-hmm. actually so this like christian community mm-hmm. is meeting at this uh hindu restaurant mm-hmm. in a mosque mm-hmm. and you just see all these pieces yeah come together and you're like that is really beautiful yeah and it's like again it's a picture of like what heaven would look like be the person love your neighbor like quite literally i think it's like yeah that that phrase is thrown around so much and then not acted on it right it's it's like a theoretical yeah. idea of like it's almost taken as like be nice to each other yeah but it's like no actually take care of me. yeah and your physical neighbor. yeah your physical and it's like if you if you don't like don't choose a neighbor that you would love on, right? It, it was the choice was made for you. God made it for you, whether you like it or not. Yeah. So love that neighbor, and if, even if it's hard, then that means you need to be be more introspect introspective. You know, understand more about yourself. It's like it takes so much more effort to yeah. not to not. It really does. Yeah. And uh, trust me, I've, I've, I've been there. A lot of us have been there. Like, it takes so much more effort to not. So, like, yes. So, the having fun aspect, I think it's because when you get out there and you get to meet people who even are as hard as it is, who are really different from you, might have different political values than you or whatever. It, it's more fun when you and just uh, satisfying when you're just like, all right, that's you. This is me. Uh, I can love you. You, 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 you can love people from a distance, you know, like, well, and I think another thing we forget is loving people doesn't mean agreeing with yeah, people. Or being with them all the time. Or being really. with them all the yeah, time. Being like, best friends you with can, them. You can disagree. You can have very, uh, intense, deep yeah. disagreements yeah. with the way somebody li- lives their life or their political mm-hmm. stance or whatever. And it, it's doesn't mean that you don't get to yeah, love them. Yeah, loving them is letting them be them. Let them, them be themselves, you know, and living in harmony, whatever you want to call it. I don't, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, sometimes but think, that's calling people out, but yeah. doing so in a way that's not demonizing yeah. each other. You know? Yeah, and so I think like yeah, traveling and how people are willing to accept you and their, like, their space and yeah. their culture. Um, I think one thing about traveling also is I joke that it's like I'm eating my way through this country. It's like, but like food is like really important, right? Yeah. Like family's really important, food's really important, and, and any type of community across the world, right? And yep. so having that like acceptance or that seat at the table in, in that sense even is really cool. Whether I'm here in America in another state or like I'm in another country, I think that's always like a good discovery point because it's like, who doesn't enjoy food? Exactly. And if you don't... Well, that's a hard neighbor to love. Yeah. The, like, the neighbor that doesn't love food. Yeah. Like, ooh, I don't know if this is going to work. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I think... 
things like that are really fun. Even if it's like just here in DC and like going, getting to go to a new restaurant that's from a different uh, country or something like that. Um, Things like that are fun. Being open to discovering new things beyond what you even imagine is always super fun. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, Thank you. I've enjoyed this conversation. I'm going to, Enjoy so getting lunch together. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I was going to say getting lunch together after this. Oh, but no. Yeah. <laughs> that too. But yeah, thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Life in Progress. A big thank you to Abina for hanging out with me. And another big thank you to my good friend Alice for letting us commandeer her apartment in D.C. As always, if you have any comments, thoughts, questions, I'd love to hear from you. You can look us up on Facebook and Instagram at SojournBU or send us an email at SojournBU at gmail.com. If you have a minute, I'd appreciate if you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes as that helps other people be able to find this podcast who may be interested. Thanks again, and we will see you in two weeks.